Hey, that's why you have Wednesday night church. Amen. She got saved on Wednesday night. And somebody said, well, I just don't think it's that important. Well, ask her about it, amen. She'll tell you about it. Isn't it good to be in God's house? I'll tell you, I feel the presence of God here this morning and just so thankful for what God's doing uh, in our church. If you'll stand with us, 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I'm going to begin uh, a series of preaching this morning. And I know sometimes when you hear the word series, but I've been preaching a series on Sunday morning uh, from January to last Sunday. And, uh, but, I, you know, I'm the type of person, if God ain't in it, I'll pull the plug on it. Amen. Uh, but God spoke to me about this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to preach, begin preaching a series Sunday morning, probably preach a Sunday night just till I'm done with it, or however direction the Lord leans. Uh, but I think it will greatly help our church, and I think it's for the hour that we're living in. And so I ask you to pray with us and for us this morning. Second Samuel chapter 23. Wasn't that good singing today? All the singing, choir singing, congregational singing, and, uh, and then the good special singing. I'm going to be honest with you. We don't need... Uh, we don't need all the new stuff. Thank God, I just like what we got. Amen. And it still works, and I praise God for that. Second Samuel chapter uh, 23, and look with us in verse number 1. The Bible said, Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me. Uh, spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning, when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word, and may you be glorified and honored in all that be said and done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I love the 23rd and 24th chapter of 2 Samuel because these two chapters tells as much about the life of David. In chapter number 22, we have the song of David. David is responsible for writing at least 73 of the psalms that are written that we know of. And David wrote more psalms than any psalmist. But Psalms 22 is a great psalm because it is the swan song of David's life as it is the last song that David is going to pin down. Psalms 20, or, or 2 Samuel chapter 22, should I say, is not written in the psalms, but it is mentioned here in in this book that we have read this morning and so uh, from this morning and so this uh, chapter 22 reveals the song of David chapter 23 reveals the soldiers of David and then chapter 24 reveals the sin of David. When you think about David David was a mighty man and there's many mighty men in this chapter that follows the life of David mighty men have to have a mighty man that leads them and David was that man. If you look back at David's life, uh, David 
began as a watcher of sheep. He was then a warrior in the battle. He was always a worshiper before God. He was a writer of the Psalms and he was a weeper before men. David was not afraid to shed tears before others. He was an honorable man, but first he was a humble man and remained a humble man most of the days of his life. We find a phrase here that's mentioned in verse number one. Now these be the last words of David. I think the last words of a man is something that we ought to pay careful attention to. Uh, David in these last words is going to mention several things in verse number one. He talks about his identity as we see the identity of David. And David gives a threefold identity. If you'll notice in verse number one, he gives us the son identity. As he said, David the son of Jesse. And then he gives us here a sovereign identity. Uh, the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob and then he gives the singer identity as he said the sweet psalmist of Israel uh, David reveals his identity why does he do that? I'm going to tell you why because David was not ashamed of where he came from he was not ashamed of what God had done in his life and who David was and so we see the identity of David then in verse number 2 we see the inspiration of David as the Bible said that the spirit of the Lord spake by me and his word was in my tongue. Notice here that David tells us that his inspiration was divine. It was the Spirit of God that was speaking by David. We need men, holy men of God, that'll be moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen? I'm telling you, we got enough clowns in the pulpit. We got enough, uh, uh, listen, performers in the pulpit. And we got enough of them in the pews. Amen? We got enough carnality in the pulpit and in the pews. Uh, but we need some people that'll be inspired. Uh, that'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk with God. And David, his inspiration was divine. His inspiration was directed. Notice what he said. He said, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me. Uh, David learned to mark his words. Uh, he learned not to spout off at the mouth. Uh, he learned to let God uh, speak through him and speak for him and to speak by him. And his inspiration was direct. And then it was declared uh, as he said that his word uh, was in my tongue. Uh, uh, the psalmist said, Lord, set a watch before my lips. Uh, and you and I need to be careful that what we say, we be led by the Spirit. Can I get a witness on that? And we don't need to be led by our own flesh. Uh, we don't need to be led by our own way of thinking. But we need God to help us. Amen. Uh, can I tell you what spiritual discernment is? Uh, it's learning when to say something. But it's also learning when not to say something. Amen. And so we see the identity of David. We see the inspiration of David. But when you get to verse number 3, down to verse number 7 we see the instructions of David this great man of God this great leader here has some final instructions uh, that he wants to give those instructions involve three things they involved uh, the conduct of a ruler in verse number 3 he that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God it involves the covenant of God in verse number 5 David said himself although my house be not so with God yet uh, hath he made with me an everlasting covenant. Amen. And David says that God is going to keep his word. And then it deals with the character of the wicked in verse number 6 and verse number 7. Uh, David reminds us uh, uh, that a leader's to rule right. Uh, he reminds us that when leadership falls and fails, God uh, will always be faithful. And he reminds us that there's going to be those uh, that's not going to like the leadership of God uh, nor the leadership of man. And so it's 
seems this morning that the last words on David's heart and the last uh, uh, phrase or should I say principle in David's life uh, is that of leadership. Amen. I want to preach this morning on this subject on the last words of a great leader. The last words of a great leader. I know why God laid this passage of Scripture and these verses and these sermons on my heart for these days that we're living in. There's no, uh, I want to be clear in what I'm saying this morning because I believe the Holy Spirit through prayer has spoke clearly to me this morning. We're living in days when there's a major lack of leadership on every level. We see it in politics. uh, We see it in religion. And we see it in the home. Isn't that right? There's a generation coming that's being taught not to respect leadership. They're being taught to question leadership. And may I say, not only are they being taught, but my friend, there's a lack of leadership in our day and there are many that are not willing to step out and to step up and to fulfill the role of leadership that's in their life. What I mean is there's a lot of people carrying titles uh, and they like the title, they like the badge, they like the recognition, they want the benefits and everything that's supposed to come with it, but they're not willing to pay the price. Uh, And can I tell you, every great leader, whether it be in politics, whether it be in religion, or whether it be in the home, they don't lead for the benefits. They don't lead, my friend, for the perks. They don't lead for the payday. They lead because it's their responsibility. It's what's been placed in their life. And they're willing to do the task that's been laid upon them. And so I want to preach this morning on the last words of a great leader. Amen. And I want to deal with leadership this morning all throughout chapter number. Number 23, that's going to be the focus this morning. And may God help our church. And may God help our homes. And may God help our pulpit. And may God help this place always to be a place that's leading and following and going in the right direction. Amen. You say, why I preach it on Sunday morning? Because some of that crowd that don't come back Sunday night needs to hear it. Can I get an amen right there? You say, that offends me because you don't come back on Sunday night is why that offends you. I'm preaching this morning on leadership. And may, may you change that beginning tonight. I'm not talking about if you got health issues. I, I'm talking about if you're lazy. You're watching the Braves on Sunday night when you ought to be in the house of God. Is that right? I, I'm just preaching because it needs to be said. And so this morning, I want us to look at four things uh, that David, this great leader, gives us here concerning his last words. Uh, uh, number one, I want you to see in verse number one, the raising up of leadership. He said, now these be the last words of David. And David is going to lay out in this verse uh, the raising up of leadership. He tells us first of all uh, that it must begin small. He said, David, the son of Jesse. When David started out, he was anointed by Samuel and he was just a young boy keeping sheep out in a field. And his leadership began not over a great army, not over a great kingdom, but over just a few sheep out there in the field. It was a humble place. It was a humble beginning. And that's where God always finds great leaders. He finds them in a humble place. Because humility is something that we have to be clothed with all the days of our life. Every father needs to be clothed in humility. The idea of manhood in this day is to be big, bold, and bad. But can I tell you, real men are men that know how to bow their head and bend their knee and pray to the 
the God of heaven. They're men that know how to weep and men that know how to walk with God. They're not men that carries a shotgun and drives a big jacked up truck and has got big biceps. Oh no, they're men that have fought their battles on their knees, led their family to the house of God, led their family and family altar in prayer. They're the picture of what real leadership is. But it begins with humility. It must begin small and then it must be in stages. Look what the Bible says here. The man who was raised up on high. Do you realize this morning that God, when he raised David up, he didn't just take him out of the field and put him on the throne. He took him out of the field and took him to the battlefield. Then he took him from the battlefield and he put him in a cave. He made a fugitive out of him. He put, he put him with a few mighty men that's going to be mentioned. They weren't mighty men of valor and when David started out. But God developed them as God developed him as they stayed faithful to the task. I'm going to tell you great leadership comes through faithfulness and it's in stages because God has to work things out and work things in. What I'm saying is if you're a husband, if you're the leader of your home, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse and you're the leader of your home this morning, God is going to use your wife God is going to use your children to make a better husband to make a better father out of you if you got some position in this church don't wear the title don't walk around with a badge you need to grow in that position that God has put you in you say brother Gravely why are you preaching this on Sunday morning I'm going to tell you why because there's a lack of leadership in our Sunday school department there's a lack of leadership in our choirs there's a lack of leadership Listen, in a lot of churches when it comes to deacons and different, and even pastors for that matter, can I tell you something? We're all growing. Can I get a witness right there? And God uses different stages in our life to make us better today than what we were yesterday. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't stay humble, you'll never grow. It must be in stages. It must be sovereign. Look at this. The anointed of God of Jacob. Somebody said, why does he get that class? Why does she get to do that? Why don't I get to do that? Why I've been here longer than they've been here. Why are they doing that? I'm just preaching this morning, but it's quiet, isn't it? I'm going to tell you why, because that's who God wanted. I wouldn't be asking myself, why do they get to do that? I'd be asking myself, God, what's, what is it in my life as to why? Leadership, you don't choose leadership, it chooses you. Those who step into it never desire it. A man that desire, I know if a man desires the office of a bishop, what I'm saying is they don't set their sights to go after it. Can I get an amen this morning? I'm talking about it's sovereign. God puts us in the places of life. We don't ask to be there. And if God puts you someplace, stay where you're at. Be faithful to what God's caused you to do. It must be seen by others. Look what he said. The sweet psalmness of Israel. Now David did not give himself that title. Others gave David that title. Unlike a lot of people today, there's a lot of people that want to brand themselves. They want to identify themselves. They want to run around and be known for this or be known for that. I'll tell you the only thing we want all to 
want to be known for is being faithful and serving God. It's not about us. And we're not to make a name for ourselves or to make one for the Lord Jesus Christ. And leadership is not about people seeing me. It's about them seeing him. And any good leader will point people to Christ and not themselves. Amen. I'm talking about this morning of the raising up of a leader is those, my friend, that follow Christ. David was given a title, but he was given that title by others. He let another man praise him. Hey, we're, we're being ate up today by people that want to magnify themselves. They want to self-promote themselves. They want people to know what they're doing. They've got to keep a record of everything that's going on. Can I tell you this morning, God's going to keep that record. Amen? And any real leader knows it's God that moves them in and it is God that will move them out this morning. See, God don't need me for this church. He don't need you this morning. But I'll tell you, as a leader, I sure need him. The raising up of leadership, the responsibility of leadership this morning. Look at this. He talks about the responsibility of this leadership. In verse number 2, he talks about this responsibility that we, that we are to be conscious. He said, the God of Israel said. The rock of Israel spake to me. There has to be a consciousness when it comes to being a leader, whether it be in your home, whether it be on the job. You say, well, I work a secular job. If God's put you in a form of leadership, you need to be conscious. You're going to give account to God for what you do with that job and how you treat people on the job. You said it didn't have anything to do with the ministry. It doesn't matter. It's your ministry. It's your mission field. God puts you there and you have a responsibility to every day with the decisions you make, the character that you put before people, that you give an account to God. It doesn't matter how big of a responsibility is. It doesn't matter how large or small one is. You have a responsibility every day. I have a responsibility and with responsibility my friend becomes a, a great accountability and we must recognize that this morning listen if you're carnal on the job and if you live fleshly on the job you're going to give an account to God for that amen don't come to church and be spiritual here and then go to work and be carnal there if you're going to be something different on Monday than you are on Sunday then you haven't learned anything about leadership at all I mean your children don't be one thing down the house and another thing at the church house amen I'm telling you they need to see consistency they need to see it in the pulpit. They need to see it in the home. They need to see it on the job. Those sinners you're working around. Hey, you have a responsibility to be conscious that there are lost people around you every day. And if you act carnal and worldly, and if you live any old way, y'all still with me this morning? You just live any old way, and then you try to invite them to church. They're not coming to church. You've done showed them another side. I'm telling you, friend, this morning, we've got to be conscious. Testimony matters. And listen, character it's what we are on Monday, not near as much what we are on Sunday. Amen. How are you at home? How are you when you go to the job? What kind of a Christian are you Monday through Friday? Let's call up some family members. Let's call up some workers. Let them testify about your character and who you are. Are you conscious? That's the responsibility of a leader to be controlled. Look what he said. He that ruleth over men must be just. Righteous judgment. 
ruling how? In the fear of God. Amen. We must be controlled by the fact that God is the one that speaks. God is the one that leads us. Husbands, you remember this this morning. You're going to give an account to God, but you're to be led by God. You're to be led in your finances about God. You're to be a leader in your finances. That means pay your bills and pay them on time. And if you can't pay them on time, have enough character to call somebody and say, I'm struggling. Will you work something out with me? Are you with me, amen, this morning? Don't make a bill and run off and leave. If it leave it, amen. And listen, don't, uh, don't borrow, uh, listen, from Peter, uh, rob Peter to pay Paul this morning. I don't know. I feel like I'm hitting a stump, uh, but I'm just going to plow it out, amen. Uh, you can like it, lump it, amen. Doesn't make no difference. We're going to preach this morning uh, because our country, our churches, uh, our homes uh, are dependent on it this morning. Uh, and there is a lack of it today, Major. Major, it's got to be controlled. We got to be just in our dealings with people. Don't rip people off. Treat people the way you want them to treat you. Be just. Be conscious. Every debt I make, whether it be financial, whether it be spiritual, whatever it is, I'll have to give an account to God for it one day. Just to be clear, look what he said in verse number 4. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth. Even a morning, notice this, without clouds. As the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Isn't it good to go outside in the springtime? Man, hadn't it been, uh, wasn't yesterday a great day? I mean, it was sky was so clear. The, 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 the air was so brisk and right and clean. And you could walk outside. I tell you, I like vitamin D, don't you? Amen. I mean, when I get up out of the bed, I want every uh, shade in the house to be opened. Amen. I'm not hiding nothing from nobody. You say, I like everything shut. Well, I don't got anything to hide. Amen. And if you don't run around with your clothes off, you can open all of them. Isn't that right? I'm just talking about this morning. I like vitamin D, like sunlight. I like to be outside. Amen. Hey, God. God didn't put Adam and Eve in a closet. He put them in a garden. Somebody say amen. And he put the sun to shine down on them. And boy, it just feels good to be outside. And just, and hey, a clear day. You know what it does? It brightens your day. It makes everything better. And God said that's the way judgment is supposed to be. Real leadership. It's to be refreshing to the people. It's to be clear in its judgment. The lines are supposed to be drawn in a way that it doesn't confuse anybody as to who we are and where we stand and what we believe. We're living in a day when people blur the lines. But I don't want to blur the lines. I'm telling you, I want everybody to know which side we're on. I want everybody to know where we stand. Thank God if you know where you stand, you know where you're going. Amen. And you know what you got. And say, thank God. I love the old Bible. God's wonderful book, Divine, because it draws some clear lines in the sand. Hallelujah. People say, you're just too narrow-minded. No, I just believe in being crystal clear. People say, well, that's all, you got, you're full of OCD. No, we just have character. We were trained this way. We don't believe in being sloppy and slothful and lazy. Can I get an amen? And blurring everything up and marring everything up. Hey, you either is or you ain't. Can I get a witness right there? You're either in or you're out. Amen. You're either on this side or that side. There's no middle. There's no black and there's no, uh, listen, there's no gray. There's just black and white. Uh, I mean, you're either doing right or you're doing wrong. Uh, this is what it is this morning. Without apology. The responsibility of leadership is this. The man who rules must be clear in his judgment. As a father figure, as a mother, 
over your children. You better be matter of fact. I love the universal saying, because I said so. How many of y'all like that this morning? I love that growing up. Well, why do I have to do that? Because I said so. Every parent knew it. Every child hated it. But it was the rule that we lived by. And if one parent said, you can go play till dark, and the other parent next door said, you got to be in bed at 8.30, we said, well, they get to go outside and play till dark. Why do I got to go to bed at 8.30? Because I said so. Hey, I think on the job, it ought to be because I said so. That ought to be the slogan of every job that we work at. It ought to just be because I said so. I'm telling you, when it comes to the church, we live in a day when everybody wants to make a smorgasbord over everything. They want to give people all these options. You know what? I didn't get options growing up, and you're not getting them either. Amen? I'm just telling you that's the way it is. And you that are older than me, you didn't get options. Amen? The only option we had was either do it or get the devil beat out of us. Amen? And I always took option number one, at least most of the time. I'm just telling you that's the way it ought to be. But we live in a society that's so weak, so anemic, so watered down, so ultra sensitive, and everybody's so tore out of frame out of anything and everything, and people's walking on eggshells, and everybody's biting their fingernails off wondering, how can I get this across without offending nobody? I'm going to tell you something, friend. Leadership has to be this way. Here's what it is. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the direction we're going in. Now who's with us? Amen? And if you're not on board, sorry, but we're not hanging around to make you, or let you make your mind up. It is what it is. Amen. Is that right? Well, hey, some don't like it, but that's just the way it is. Not being ugly this morning. Because you, you can't run a church, a home, your children like Burger King. Am I telling the truth this morning? I don't think I even have to give you the slogan. I'm talking about this morning the raising up of leadership, the responsibility of leadership, and then the reality of leadership. What is the reality of leadership? Look with me in verse number 5. The reality of failure. Although my house be not so with God. That's sad words in the life of David. David, nobody loved God more than David. David did not say he was a man after God's own heart. God said that. David had a heart for God, but he wasn't perfect. We never excuse leadership when it falls. There's consequences when a leader falls. The sword never departed out of David's house. His family suffered. His children suffered. The nation suffered. Because to whom much is given, much will be required. And Dad, may I say to you this morning, you have a responsibility and the reality is in my life and yours that if David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man after God's own heart, if David could fall, then so could I. David fell with a woman. David lied and David murdered and David committed adultery. David said, because of that, my house today as I'm dying is not what it ought to be. Listen to me, parent. Live for God. Your children depend on it. Stay in the old time way. Your children depend on it. You'll be tempted to leave and to go other places and do other things. I look across this congregation this morning. You know how my eyes look this morning. Here's how I see it this morning. 
I see the church I pastor today, I always think this way, and I think it's the Holy Spirit. Every decision that we make today, we have to think about not today, not who and not here and not now. But how does it affect us five years from now, ten years from now? The standard we set today has got to still be the standard when they're grown. It cannot change. It has to always be the same. You say, why is that so important? They need consistency in their life like I needed it in my life and you need it. So when somebody says, preacher, can we do this? My mind goes to five years from now. What's it be like? Well, why can't we just do this? Well, I'm thinking about, and what's the negatives five years from now? You say, why do you think of that? Because five years is coming. It's coming, friend. And as a parent, you can't make a decision based on what they want today, but how is it going to affect them tomorrow? You can't make a decision on your marriage based on what I want today, but how is it going to affect you five years from now? You can't take a job because it's what's good for the moment. It's what pleases you now. How is it going to be five years from now? What's the eternal effect? What's the spiritual effect? And that's what a leader does. And they realize, my friend, the reality is, is that this could bring success or it could bring failure can always do it the reality of his failure the reality of his future look what David said I'm so glad this is in here yet you ought to circle that word he hath made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and I like this and sure for this is all my salvation David said in my last words I want you to know my house is not what it ought to be for God But I want you to know I may have failed and I may have blundered and I may have messed some things up. But when I wasn't faithful, God still is. And when I failed, God never has. And when I've come up short, He's always come up on time at the right time every time. And when I wasn't, He always was. And when I ain't, He still is. God, David leaves with these words on his lips to those that are left behind. It never was built on me. It never was about me. It wasn't being held together because of me. If it would have, it would have failed because I failed. But thank God it was always about him. It was always because of him. And when I'm gone, he'll still be here. Because he's a covenant keeping God. And the reality of his folly, look what he said in that last phrase, although he make it not to grow. Did David get by with his sin? No, his kingdom was cut off. But God did what David could not do this morning. And I see in this text here that no matter how spiritual, no matter how strong, no matter how successful, and no matter how steadfast, leaders can fall into sin. When they do, they suffer great consequences, bringing casualty to the lives of others. David's children suffered because of his sin. Parent, hear me. If you don't maintain the right kind of leadership and provide steady, strong leadership all the days of your life, your children will suffer because of your sins. This morning as a pastor, we can't back up. We can't let up and we can't give up. And by the grace of God, somebody say, man, we're not going to. We're going to be what we've always been by the grace of God. We're marching on in the same path and we're hoeing the same row we've always hoed. You know why? Because it worked back then, it still works now, and it'll work in days to come. And if it wouldn't work, nothing else will. But we know it will. It's been tested and tried and proven. And so leadership's got to be clear. This is where we're going. This is who we are, and this is what we're going to be. Who's going with us? Finally, notice this in closing, the resistance of leadership. There will always be people 
that will resist leadership, that will buck up, that will get mad, that will blow up, that will criticize, that will say that. It's always going to be. And here's what God says about them in verse number 6. He said, but the sons of Belial shall be all of them, notice this, as what? Thorns. God said they shall be, they're cursed, they're, they're as thorns. God cursed the earth with what? Thorns and thistles. That's green beans. Somebody say amen right there. And God cursed this earth uh, and some Baptists come along and started putting them in a crock pot. Now we've been having them at homecomings ever since. Amen. Uh, but I'm telling you, friend, uh, uh, God cursed this earth uh, with these thorns. And God said those that go against leadership, those that go against authority are those. You say, well, what if authority is out of line? God will take care of it. Amen. Uh, God will always deal with it. I'm not talking about a man of God not being accountable. I believe they ought to be accountability. And any real leadership wants it in their life. Uh, I'm telling you what accountability does for me is it keeps things safe in my life. It keeps things away. Hey, I don't mind cameras. I don't mind lights. I don't mind people knowing things that's going on. I know everything can't be told, but I'm not out to hide anything. Somebody say, man, I'm not out to ramrod anything. But somebody's got to make the final decision. Somebody's got to take the initiative and somebody's got to take the flag. Somebody's got to listen to the criticism. Somebody's got to take the abuse. Somebody's got to put the monkey on their back. Somebody's got to be willing. It just comes with a territory there's always going to be somebody that's not going to like what you're doing, amen. You know, you can do 50 things right. Don't be discouraged if you put everything in your Sunday school class and somebody walks up and says, you know, you forgot to do this. People are famous for that. Don't let it make you mad or at least get over it very quickly. That's some of people's, that's, that's their ministry in life is to point out the faults and failures of others. It's their second gift, criticism. It's all they know. There'll never be anything other than that. They're mad right now criticizing this sermon because I'm talking about critical people. You just got to let it, you just got to let the chips fall where they are. There's going to be people that's going to withstand who we are. Hey, we're not taking Baptists off our church sign. We're not taking the word church off our church sign. Hey, listen, we're not dropping the King James Bible. We're not changing our methods and our motives and things that we are. Uh, oh, there's always going to be some crowd writing a paper or putting out a podcast or making some kind of article. We don't care what they think. Uh, and listen, you know why? Because we know where we're going uh, and we know what we're doing. Hey, man, uh, and I'm not going to let some Johnny come lately. So I'm not going to let somebody that's a day late and a dollar short show up. Up and silence me and shame me into backing up one iota. Praise God. I'm telling you, we're marching on. We're moving on. We're carrying on. It worked then and it'll work now. And maybe by the good grace of God, let them just live their cursed life. Amen. Call us what they will. Praise God. I'm telling you, when you're right, you're right. Is that right? One of my girls said to me one day, they said, Daddy, are you 100% sure you're right? I said, absolutely 1,000% I'm right. She said, how do you know you're always right? I said, I'm always right because that book's always right. I said, as long as I'm staying by that book, I don't care how popular the sway is. I don't care what direction the movement's going in. I don't care what's latest and greatest. I'm telling you, I'll just stick with the old stuff. It'll work every single time. I'm talking about praise, God. I feel like preaching this morning, I'm just telling you it is the blessed way it's the right way, it's the holy way, it's God's way Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. And we're going that way this morning. And we've been going that way. But there'll be resistance. They're cursed. They're cast away. Look what he said. He said they're thrust away. 
God will remove those that will stand against us. If God be for us, and if you want God to be for you, just make sure you're on the right side. If God be for us, who can be against us? I've seen this morning, look at me church, I say this fearfully and humbly, I've seen God move people out of this church. And I've had the Holy Ghost tell me, never visit them again. You be cordial, you be kind if you see them, but never go to their doorstep again. They're castaways. They're contemptuous. Look what he said. Because they cannot be taken with hands. That means they, they, these people, they manifest such deep hatred and disapproval of who we are. Although they once stood with us, now they stand against us. God said, you leave them alone and you leave them up to me. I'll take care of them. Never, never listen to me. Oh, listen to me. I'm telling you this morning, social media has destroyed, divided and destroyed the work of God. Every preacher in here, you hear me. Everybody has a ministry in here, you hear me. Every Christian in here, you hear me. You never answer a critic. You let God fight your battles. And if they need removing, that's His business. It's not even mine this morning. They must be controlled. Look what he said. There comes a time when a man who's in leadership has to put his hands on people. There comes a time when God says, that person, you're going to have to deal with them. As I said, it's never my place to deal with people. It's my place to preach to people. But when things go wrong in a church, when things happen in a church, the leadership has the responsibility to deal with it. And this is what he says about them in verse number 7. But the man, David's that man, that shall touch them. Look what must happen to them. These people have to be controlled. They must be, the man that touches them must be fenced with what? Iron. You know what iron's a picture of in the Bible? Judgment. And the staff of a spear. He's got to be ready to go to battle. Because there are some people, you hear me this morning, and I know I'm in overtime, but it's all right. I'm going to tell you something. Please mark this in your mind somewhere. How many of you love this church? I'm going to tell you truthfully this morning, as far as I know, as far as your preacher knows, and if this was not true, I would not make this statement. I don't know of one problem going on in this church. I'm talking about, you say, well, I know about something. I may know about it, but it may not be as big of a problem as you think it is. And it doesn't mean it's not going to be dealt with in its own time. But when I look across this congregation, I don't see a rift this morning. I may see some people that need to get right over some petty little feelings. But I don't see a rift in this church. Can I get an amen right there? If you're mad about something, I'm going to tell you right now, please get on this altar this morning. If you're hurt, offended, grieved at somebody, you get right with God. It ain't worth your spirituality because of what somebody else has done. And you might get in this altar and find out it ain't all them. I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. And some things may not even be real. It may be the devil getting the best of your mind and emotions. But I want to say this. 
God said that when a man, sometimes a man has to deal with things in a church. Can I tell you, that's the part of leadership nobody wants. But if a man doesn't do that, then everything, they'll, everything will fall apart. And David, in his last words, he said, the man that has to handle people that are out of control, he said he better be fenced with iron. Now hear me this morning. You know what that, you say, well, what can I do in the church? I'll tell you what you can be. I'll tell you what every one of us can be, us this morning can be. You can be a piece of that wall that irons around that man of God so that when and if, and we hope he never does, but if he has to deal with something, you stand in the gap and you stay with the man of God. I'm going to tell you why we're in trouble today because there's not a lot of men willing to stand. and There's a lot of people not willing to stand with that man. Hey, if you're not standing for him and with him, you're against him. You ever met them people? You say, preacher, they must be a problem. I'm just preaching. We need it, leadership. There's no trouble this morning, I tell you, that I know of. But we're living in a day when people say, well, I, you know, I'm just not somebody that gets involved. Oh, you're involved. When you joined that church, you got involved. Why, well, you know, I just don't pick and choose sides. Oh, you're going to choose a side. If somebody raised their ugly head up today and you don't choose to stand with the man of God and stand against what's wrong, you chose a side, friend. You say, well, that's just too narrow. No, that's that book right there. David, when he's laying on his bed dying, he tells people, listen, you better make sure that that man has an iron fence around him. And if that man does wrong, David did wrong, didn't he? The man saying that did wrong. And God sent another man in to say, Thou art the man. He said, Don't worry about that man. God will deal with him. God will take care of him. But you need to stand in the gap. This morning, the last words of a great leader is this. Say, get us a song ready. There's going to be people that's going to be out of control. And God says in verse 7, they're going, They must be consumed. They shall be utterly burned with fire. In the same place. What does that mean? The principle of that is, is God said, I will make ashes out of them. God's judgment will fall. We don't hear a lot of preaching about that no more. Brother, I'm telling you, when you preach that nowadays, Brother Laddie, you get some funny looks when you say that. Because I'm going to tell you why. You've got some people that's never heard it and you've got some people, they got it in their heart and so when you say it, they look at you like, oh, he's just trying to be a dictator. No, we just ain't going to let you run things. Can I get an amen right there? I'm not a dictator. We're just going to make sure you're not in charge. And that's never bothered me because that's the right kind of preaching this morning. God will take care of them. This morning, I love this church, don't you? I love every face I'm looking at this morning. I mean that. God is my witness. And if I had a King James Bible, I'd put it in my hand right now and say it. God is my, God bear me record in heaven. I love every person in this building this morning. And I thank God for you. And I fall short. I want you to know that. I know that more than anybody in this room. But I pray for you. I pray for you. And I believe you pray for me. I believe that this morning. 
I don't know, Brother Laddie, what I'd do. We're not the only people in town. I know that. I'm not making that. But can I be honest with you? I don't know another place I'd rather go to church than where I'm at this morning. I don't know how many churches I'd have said last year. I didn't keep up with it. Some of them good. Some of them not so good. But I wasn't in one church last year that I love more than this church right here. It's where my heart's at. I love this place. I love you. And I'm telling you, we're living in times when this is how it is, folks. If we don't hold a clear line, what we have today will be gone tomorrow. And all I'm doing this morning, I'm not preaching. There's, I want you to know there's not a problem. What I'm doing this morning, number one's obeying the Holy Spirit. And number two, what I'm doing this morning is just reinforcing Let's hold the line until he comes. Let's let them. And you young people, you listen to me. Listen to your preacher this morning. You raise your families. You grow up. You get married. You raise your, you raise your families in a church like this. You stay right here if God will let you stay here. And you stay here and you don't listen to this modern liberal crowd. You listen to your pastor. Your preacher's wife. Miss Nolita is not going to promote herself. She just is not going to do that. But you listen to her. She's been a pastor's wife almost 30 years. And I promise you she can peg something as fast if not quicker than I can. And you listen to your parents. Your godly parents. You listen to them this morning. And you don't listen to people you go to school with. And you don't listen to people on the job. You young men, you listen to me this morning. Listen to me this morning. Please listen to your preacher. Please. And you stay here and you serve God. And one day when when some of us are gone, you'll be able to pass this on to somebody else. You don't let nobody disrespect a man of God. You see, you're preaching, that's called, well, I may drop dead today. If you call a pastor tomorrow, you don't let nobody disrespect a man of God. Is that right? I preach it everywhere else. I might as well preach it right here. I don't want a pat on the back. I don't want, I'm not asking you for more money. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm telling you this morning, it's a principle that men preach to me that I live by and God bless me for it. And I believe it if I'm not a pastor tomorrow, wherever I go, I promise you by the grace of God, I'm going to hold that preacher up. I'm going to hold his wife up. And if anybody says something and they try to mock him or make fun of him, I'm not even laughing at it. God's man he's not perfect I'm going to hold my preacher's hands up and I'm going to hold his wife's hands up I don't desire anything from this church this morning God knows my heart and as a pastor I'm going to respect you always I'm always going to by the grace of God you men you lead your home I'm going to respect you You're, you're the leader of your home and I'm, gonna, I'm never going to say anything to your wife or your children without your permission and pr- approval. Not If I do it, it'd be unknowingly. Because I believe you're the leader of that home, but you have a responsibility. You have a great responsibility as we stand this morning. If you need to come to this altar...
you do business with God this morning as we sing. When we walk with the Lord.